I do want to just give you a little bit of, of, of feedback, uh, uh, kind of lift, lift, the, lift the bonnet on the engine room of Hope Church for a minute, because we're aware that we're, we're growing, and we're aware that both in here, you know, numbers of people, but also the, the sort of influence God's giving us uh, around, uh, almost, I have to say, Europe as well as Scotland and, 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 and down, in, down south into England. And uh, isn't that exciting? Uh, and this lady, the, the, what's happening with me is people are getting healed and I'm not praying for them every time now. It's like, that's quite exciting, isn't it? The lady who got healed of the fibromyalgia. And, and I've got lots of stories, just, just things increasing. And that's delightful and that's wonderful. But also aware that we're stretched. Uh, we need an, we need an more room. We need another. We need a building. So that that we're stretched on that front. Some of our structures are stretched. Our serving teams are stretched. Our communications get stretched. Our uh, our, our life group structure is stretched. Um, lots of things are stretched, and and we have this amazing church because people live in the stretch with incredible grace all the time. Because <laughs> you do. You you are an amazing bunch of people. I just want you to know that we know, and we're, we're, we're doing something about it. We're actually looking at these sort of areas. So a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend of mine up, uh, Richard Whiteman. He leads a church actually in Milton Keynes uh, that's gone through the kind of growth phases ahead of where we're, where we're at. They've, just, they've done a big building project. They've grown through 200 now up to nearly 600 people. And, and we are at a classic pinch point of around the 200 people involved with us, probably a bit more including kids and everything, where, where all those systems of church life kind of can creak a little. So we just, he spent 24 hours with us. Now this guy is a bit of a genius. He used to work for rail track, and not as like an engine driver or something. He managed a 1.6 billion, 1.6 billion pound budget for the whole of Rail Track UK. So he is very smart. <coughs> um, and and, and it's good to have friends like this. So he came and had a look at our internal, like admin management structures, finances, and gave us loads of great wisdom on running a building project, finding a building, building financing a building. So, and, and how we clarify our structures and all that kind of stuff. So isn't that cool? We're getting help on that. And we've also we've got Danny Silk with us the first weekend of December. And we've asked Danny, he's only doing one thing with us that involves people from outside. He's basically with us as a church for the weekend. And he's just going to look at our culture and how we develop that from leadership out. So uh, there's a whole bunch of us going away with him, sort of the biggest widest definition of leaders in this church we could find uh, are all going for an overnighter he's getting time with the senior team he's going to be with us Sunday morning I think it's December the 6th yeah. so don't miss that uh, so we, we're getting input we're aware that we're in this stage so we're getting input so we're just praying more grace on you guys who are feeling the pinch and the stretch as we figure out and get wisdom from God how we how we design the way through this is a classic point of being stretched this sort of around this 200 number 
and, uh, and we have some unique challenges in our world in terms of the influence that we have, the things that we're doing, that, that, that really we're already punching above our weight. So this is one incredible church. Thank you for being part of it, cheering us on, giving, serving, and all that you do. It's really fantastic what you do. Yeah, give you, everybody give yourselves a clap. It's just so good. <laughs> It is, it is absolute thrill and honor to, to lead the team and lead, lead the church. It is mostly fun, <laughs> with tears sometimes. <laughs> no, I'm just being real. It's not like, yay, we never have a problem. We never have any stresses. No, that's not true. <laughs> but mostly it is fun. And, and then there are things that you just like, oh, no. But we're getting better at putting those things right. Uh, we, we're just deepening our culture uh, of love for one another, which means we can uh, share heart, be honest, and work through stuff when it doesn't, doesn't work so well. So the level of transparency, heart connection, vulnerability, authenticity is rising, particularly in our sort of core leadership environment, and we just believe that's affecting and going to affect everybody else. Is that, is that helpful? Well, for six of you anyway. Just wanted you to know, because it can sound like, oh, it's all like, you know, go to Paris and go. No, actually, we're giving a lot of attention to making home base really buzz and really get healthier and grow. Because we have all these words about growth, and it's happening, and the words are like exponential growth. So we're like, that's scary. For me personally, that's scary. That, that high-pitched bit is me being nervous, all right? Like, ah! Because it, it, one level growth, oh, fantastic, but actually, if you look at it wrong, it can just be multiplication of challenges. Uh, if we look at it right, it's actually the opportunity to access more of heaven's resources. Uh, and, and if I'm honest, I'm in those camps, <laughs> intermediately, alternatively, you know, like, of course, God's going to come through and... So I'm growing too. Is that, is that okay? So today, I didn't want to do this talk. I had so many things to talk about, but I didn't, I didn't want to do this talk because I don't like talking about what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> this is a great intro, isn't it? So I want, you know, anything... Anything better than down here is already above your expectations, isn't it? It's just, and, and I'm, I'm in the bathroom <coughs> the other day. I won't go further details than that. <laughs> but just in case you wondered, when you get into senior leadership in this church, you do still have a bathroom with a toilet. Um, all those things still happen. I just remember hearing Danny Silk speak about that. It's like some people's view of leadership is that, you know, they get to the point where they don't even need, they have the toilet taken out of their house. <laughs> That's not us, just so you know. Anyway, God speak, speaking to me is about what I'm going to speak about, which you don't know yet, which I wasn't keen on speaking about, but I'm going to speak about. And he said, if you don't speak about it, then that doesn't give the people who are not doing it a chance to enter in and enjoy the blessing of doing it. And if you don't speak about it, those who are already doing it won't get encouraged 
to be blessed more and more and affirmed in what they're already doing. So uh, at that point, I was convinced as I was having my shave. Um, so, so I'm going to talk about this. Not this 10-pound note, but the subject of money. And in the, I'm trying to put a context of this, which is how money is connecting heaven to earth and earth to heaven. This actually connect, is connected. If, if we orientate our hearts right... Actually, our finances are connected to heaven, not earth. And uh, <clears throat> I just want to get into that a little bit as, as kind of the introduction. Jesus said this, if you've uh, been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, sorry, if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters, either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Isn't it, isn't it fascinating? It's Luke 16, 11 to 13. Isn't it fascinating that this, in this scripture, Jesus is equating trustworthiness with this and our ability to handle true riches, heaven, heaven's downloads, if you like. That's not... That, that's strange in one level, but, but it's also true. What you do with this affects with what he can trust you with from heaven. And then, and then there's this amazing verse that in, in 2 Corinthians 9. We'll go back there later. But it says that God's able to make all grace abound to you. In the context of giving, he's saying God's able to make grace abound, all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times you'll have all that you need. Now, it's clearly talking about money, but it's actually broadening the spectrum to all grace. So when we exercise the grace of giving this, what's coming back at us is the grace of receiving this, but a whole spectrum of other graces from heaven. So true riches are released to us as we handle this appropriately. Is that making sense? And then there's this other scripture that, that... Many of us have quoted many times in Philippians 4:19 that says, "And my God will meet all of your needs." Yeah, yes. isn't that a great promise? Yeah. My God will meet all of your needs. But the rest of the verse says, "According to His riches in glory yeah. in Christ Jesus." Yeah. Now, for me, and maybe for a lot of us, it would be much better if it had said that my God will meet all of my needs according to his riches stored up in the Royal Bank of Scotland. Because I would know exactly where that was. And I could look at God's bank account. And I, and I immediately have a, a reference point, I have a grid, I have a system in my head how he could move stuff from his Royal Bank account in the Royal Bank of Scotland into my needs. Are you, are you with me? That... that if it's said that uh, my God will meet all of your needs according to all these riches that are stored up somewhere that I can humanly see and measure, that would make a lot more sense than saying, look, God's going to meet your physical needs, your material needs, out of his riches in heaven. For a lot of us, that goes, that's not that exciting. <laughs> to quote a film, show me the money. Where is it then? Well, it's up there. 
But what we fail to appreciate is our transaction with this down here influences there and releases stuff to us from there, but he can transact from there to here. There is, there is no disconnect only in our heads. There is, a, there is not a disconnect of that reality to this reality. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually says that as we, as we pray and as we give and as we go, do good deeds in a way that isn't just to be displayed before men, that actually we're storing up riches in heaven. So earthly activity has heavenly impact. And heavenly activity has earthly impact. And it is possible to have five loaves and two fish and not need to go to the bank to buy the money to feed the 5,000, but simply have more fish and bread materialize in your hands. That's God releasing his riches in glory in Christ into a need that they have. So there's a supernatural transaction that materializes in physical provision. There's suddenly more. Every day for 40, 40 years, they would come out of their tents in the wilderness and look on the ground and they would go, what is it? And then they'd eat, what is it, for breakfast and lunch and dinner. Because manna from heaven, manna literally means what is it. They couldn't think of a better name. They didn't know what it was because they didn't really understand how it got there. But they had, what is it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? That's what manna means. Go look it up. And so from heaven, from God's realm, physical provision is materializing to meet their needs. So there isn't this sort of disconnect. You know, this is important down here but not up there. And what happens up there isn't connected to this. There's a connection. And God is actually looking for how we use our, 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 our considerable material wealth, which I know some of you are like maybe struggling to pay the bills, but actually relative to the two-thirds of the planet, yeah. everybody in this room is well off. Because yeah, we, we have clothes and shoes on, and yeah. we probably had breakfast, or if we didn't have breakfast, it was a choice rather than a lack issue. See, this is why I don't like doing this talk. Everybody kind of gets all kind of... Just talking about money. He's after my money. Well, I'm not after anything. But he is. So I'm, I'm just being obedient. Um, <clears throat> so what we do with this counts to him a lot. And in a world where lots and lots of people are, are, are pursuing this, they're in love with this, we're told that it's impossible to love this and him at the same time. Because you'll either end up hating him, basically. Can't serve two masters. But, if you, but it doesn't make this evil. The Bible says it's the love of money that's the root of evil, not money itself. So actually, this is powerful. I thought when, when he was here that um, Steve De Silva taught really, really excellently on this. It should be on our website. We need to be in a place where God can trust us with huge amounts of resource. This represents real power to change things on the planet. 
so using it well is very very important it's not evil in and of itself um, <clears throat> so I'm trying to rub out this kind of material spiritual divide which really does not exist so here's, here's, a, few, here's a few principles N- number one is God owns everything earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's good to remember he owns it all. The banks actually don't own it all. Or the government or whatever. He owns it all. All the natural resources, they're all his. And the second thing that's harder to get, but he is the source of your supply, however it happens to arrive. So 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says that he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. All right, what it's saying is, the farmer may think he got his seed out of the ground or from the seed merchant, but actually the provider ultimately is God. All right, so you may think whatever's coming into your bank account is from your employer, and that is true, but the employer is the means, he's not the source. God's sending you your wages. He's the source of your wages. That's why ridiculous things can happen to your wages and promotions and stuff that we declare here because actually God's in charge. And his favor is on you in order to increase you, bless you, and open things up. So it's good that you remember when you open your pay packet, however that comes, that you go, thank you, God, rather than thank you, you know, whoever, call center manager. The third thing to remember is God is a giver. He's, he's the most outrageous, extravagant giver of all. And we often talk about the prodigal son and really is the prodigal father because he just gives and gives and gives. He's, he's a wastrel. He's extravagant. He's extreme. You know, he kills the fatted calf. He loves the world so much that he gave his only son. The word gave, give, and is an association with, with God and the father is everywhere in the Bible. You can't miss that the nature of God is a giver. And he's a good giver. And it's impossible to outgive him. <laughs> I thought that was good. And we, if you've been listening for the last few years, then you will know that we share his nature. Our identity is that Christ is in us. The hope of glory. And he is, he is in us and we are in him. And we share the divine nature. Therefore, we are givers. I'm looking at a room full of generous people. And it's true. I am looking at a room full of generous people. This isn't a, a, a message that's down on people. This is a message that's up on giving. And, and, and honoring the giving and the intention and the desire and the heart that's in the room. And in people that are listening to this, maybe online. If you have come to faith in Christ, you're a giver. Your nature, your inclination, and your desire is to be generous and to find ways to express that and to be radical in it and get the fun that there is in that whole expression of generosity because you're just mirroring the Father. He just gave everything. He gives everything. And he gives without counting cost and he gives without necessarily needing back. It's not agenda-driven in the way that he gives. And, and I know that's been a a journey for me is to get into giving without an agenda, like I'm doing it so something else will happen. Yeah. Do, do, yeah. do you see what I'm saying? 
because we don't give in a way to manipulate God or, or, or people. <laughs> I've tried. Often didn't work. <laughs> so we share his nature. <laughs> so what does, this, what does this mean for us? <clears throat> and if you can turn in your Bibles just to 2 Corinthians verse 8 actually. And, and, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You need that before you need verse 7. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7. I've kind of laid a few things out. You got it? 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty you too may become rich. Oh, this, is, this is interesting. The, the context is there's an offering for the poor going on around the churches and, and quite a poor church in a really difficult situation has just had a mega awesome offering and, it, and it's the Macedonian church and now he's writing to the Corinthian church to say you know you said you'd share in this offering I'm just writing to remind you and by the way look at these guys down the road they, they rock <laughs> they, they don't have a lot of money and they're in awful persecution and they've just given a ton and now Paul's kind of trying to say look I still want you to give out of grace and out of love but this is pretty good test of how much you really love yeah. is, this, is this making sense because, because to quote Heidi Baker love has to look like something yeah. just the mushy feeling isn't love it has to get expressed in some way or somehow. And Paul's saying, look, you guys, are, you guys are amazing. You're amazing in faith. You know, you raise the dead. You heal. You see incredible stuff. You're amazing in your speech. You're ama- you know so much. Now, now let's, let, let's kind of move the giving thing up to the same level of amazingness as everything else that you do. And, and, and what I'm doing is I'm not commanding you it's kind of urging them without telling them what, it's walking this line of like, I'm not telling you what to do, but I am saying, check out your heart, because what's coming out of your checkbook, what's coming out of your bank account is a reflection of the true earnestness of your love. <laughs> so Paul's like saying, here's a way of checking out your heart, what's coming out of the bank to God. I told you I didn't like doing this message. People all go, it's so challenging. So there's this walk that we walk. It's not, 
giving isn't legalism, but it is an actual practical action that requires us to do something. But our doing is an expression of our love. Our doing is an expression of the grace that we have received that is on us. So actually Paul says about this crazy, generous, poor church that God had given them incredible grace because of out of their affliction they were now giving. So God gives us this grace. He, he kind of lubricates our lives with his favor. He, he, we have all this love inside of us, and we have to make it practical because true service, true love actually costs something. Yeah. And we face that at all kinds of levels. I, I listened to Phil's talk on community. I thought it was brilliant from a few weeks ago. Yeah. And he just talked about, well, actually, to make community work, you've got to show up when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. Because what we all want is deeper relationship, but when, how is someone going to give you a deeper relationship if you're not always there? Because the first thing they're looking for is that you're going to show up. The people I want to be friends are people who are going to show up. If I'm not sure they're going to show up, I'm not sure I want to share my heart with them. I mean, this is a basic level. Yeah? If you're married and you just don't show up for dinner for like five weeks because you didn't feel like getting out of work on time, you are going to have trouble at home. <laughs> and showing up can cost you something, but it's the cost that shows you how much you really love. So God so loved the world, how do we know how much he loved? Because he gave his only son, and his only son cruised around the world, getting lots of applause, and then was whisked to heaven on a chariot. Didn't work like that. He went through a cross. He demonstrated his love in that he gave his life for us, which was, I would expect, that was pretty inconvenient. And he probably didn't feel like doing it, but his love was a, a deeper level than his need for convenience. So you can't, we shouldn't take the cross out of the Christianity. And, and, and our enjoyment of his love and grace is so immense that sometimes we forget there is, there is a price in the center. And we're enjoying it because someone paid a price and he's now called us to live that kind of life. Out of our, not out of our sense of poverty, but out of our sense of richness. All right? We give out of our sense of powerfulness. Jesus, knowing who he was, gave his life. And that applies to this. It applies to serving. It applies to getting out of bed in the morning. It applies to all kinds of stuff. And the best kind of love, well, the true, I mean, often we don't, some of us don't go to work for love. Some of us do, some of us don't. And there's lots of things we do in work for pay. And if we don't do it, we don't get paid. Yeah? yeah? That probably isn't love. Yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong to work for pay, all right? But doing for love equals doing with no expectation of payment. Yeah. Love that you pay for isn't real love. You know, if I have to pay you to do something to bless me, I go home every night, pay Teresa 10 quid to make my dinner. 
You know, no money, no dinner. It's, it's, some of you are looking at me like that's how we do it. <laughs> but we did, we did. But when someone just gives to you out of their heart, doesn't that feel good when you're on the receiving end? And actually, it, it's good as we do that to others. And actually, church life is full of this stuff because very few people get paid to make church work. And lots of people just have to do it for love. But that's real love because you got up early to be here to do the setup and nobody noticed and nobody paid. That's love because he noticed. Nobody sees how much you stick in the offering, but he does. Hmm. So we, we, are, <laughs> we are in a place where we can give freely. Yeah, we're, not under an, we're not under an onerous obligation, but that doesn't mean we don't give because we don't fancy it. That's the wrong understanding of the message of freedom. Freedom sets you free to powerfully lay your life down for other people in all forms of giving, including financial. Yeah, so we fix our, a bit like Jesus, he fixed his face to go to the cross. He knew his love was driving him through the challenges and the pain because he had a bigger prize at hand. So we're giving out of grace. It's not compulsion, but it is dedication. It's love that's coming out of dedication. Thank God for every person in this room that lives that because this place is full of people like this. <clears throat> so he's saying, what's the sincerity of your love? You're like, yay, kind of church, but how are you doing with that? <clears throat> Incredible generosity is a hallmark of a move of God. And don't turn there because it's not time, but Acts 2, chapter 4. Great power, the apostles are testifying to the resurrection of Jesus and much grace was on them all. And then those who owned lands and houses sold them and bought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The two go together. Incredible generosity, incredible miracles. That's all part of the same thing. It's the release of favor on the planet from heaven produces miracles, produces generosity. And, and we, we should give with faith. So we should give from a place of grace, which I've tried to explain. And we should give from a place of faith because we are promised, this is, this is fascinating for us, we are promised that if we give this stuff, we get it back. And Charles Hodge, who was a 19th century uh, Bible commentator, on the passage in 2 Corinthians in chapter, 2 Corinthians 9, which is the one after we've just read, says the reference, so we've actually read bits of it already, so I'm doing a bit of a manualate altogether. But basically it says that you will receive all grace. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times you'll have all that you need. Yeah? So he's saying, if you give... If you give generously, God will give to you generously. Yeah. Charles Hodge says, 
the context demands that Paul is dealing with worldly riches. So this is before maybe the abuses of some of the kind of um, prosperity preachers and stuff. So way, way before that, before they were even born, somebody was saying, these verses mean if you sow financially, you should expect finance to come back to you. That takes faith, doesn't it? This is my last ten-pound note. If I give this ten-pound note away, I will not have a ten-pound note. Simple mathematics. Yeah? yeah. Have I got that right? Yeah. What these verses are telling us that God is able to make all things at all times abound to us so that we have all that we need. He's able to give seed to the sower and bread to the eater so that we have what we need to do every good work. He's saying that the process of giving this away means that stuff gets multiplied back to you. You could end up with two ten-pound notes. You could end up with a hundred ten-pound notes. So who, who wants mine? No, you will all want mine. I'm going to give mine away shortly. That's got more people interested. <laughs> I'm not going to do it now. Don't do that. Uh, this is an Old Testament and New Testament principle. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 using agrarian culture says that, that bring, bring the tithe or bring the offering into the storehouse. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats brimming over with new wine. Hands up, anybody got a barn or a vat? <laughs> you do. We have metaphorical ones. We have, we, you know, we have bank accounts. And it's this, but it, this, it's saying if you, if you bring your, your, the, the, the produce of your labor, because money or that produce of your labor represents your life, really. It took you 15 minutes, an hour, whatever, to earn the 10 pounds. You bring the produce of that and give it to God. He's going to release it back to you and multiply it so that your barns are filled. 2 Corinthians 9.11, just a bit further on from where I was quoting. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And it does say rich. And it is about money. But the purpose of the increase is to be generous for every good deed. It's not to drive three Rolls Royces and have an airplane. <laughs> I'm just saying, just in case you were wondering, the point of increase is, yes, that you get blessed. It's not that you don't get blessed, but then you have resources in order to resource other good deeds and, and more kingdom activity. See, God's interested in all of our needs, all of them. And he, he wants to be the one who is meeting them. He cares about the things that you care about. So, but that takes faith. To believe, to take that step that goes, oh, I could, two trips to Starbucks that I can't have if I give it away. Yeah? That takes faith. Could mean caffeine deprivation for a whole day. Well, or maybe God will give you three back. I don't know. But I do know 
that if you give, you're not going to go short. And Teresa and I, we proved this for like 35 years. So this isn't just something we cooked up yesterday. You, you, you do the stuff we're talking about, it works. It's not a get quick fix formula, get rich quick formula. It's, it's about faithfulness with money and God releasing heaven's resources to you on a daily, monthly, yearly, decadely basis. There have been times when we've been so hard up that we had to boil cabbage. Times when we had to feed our kids because we couldn't afford the mylupa on, on semolina. They're all looking pretty healthy on it to me. But we still kept giving. And God kept giving back and providing. We've got amazing stories of God providing crazy, crazy, just crazy nuts stuff. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. But it really happened. What? Yeah, we've had surprise holidays, pairs of shoes. On and on and on. Just trust me. They're good. Talk to our kids. And, and actually, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says that each man should do as decided in his, should give as he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And I want to emphasize there is there's a, there's a, there's a purposefulness. Because in another place in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 16, Paul's talking about this, the preparation of this offering and he's saying on the first day of every week, which is kind of where they got when they got paid, he's saying make a regular thing. Be purposeful, plan it and do it. Don't be like, woo, if the Spirit leads me. No, the Spirit is leading you to do it regular. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> it's meant to be intentional. It's meant to be planned. It's meant to have a priority to it. And, 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 and to be detached from the, if I fancy it, kind of way of life. Yeah, back to Jesus. He, I don't think he fancied the cross. what a glorious resurrection and he did it for the joy set before him um, this is a way of honoring God so Proverbs 3 we quoted before 9 and 10 it says honor, honor the Lord with your wealth so we'll often say that this is we're taking up our offering but this is part of our worship because it is the first place you're giving to is not the plate, the church, is to him. And that's all through the Bible. God sees that this is being given to him first. And that needs to be our, our focus, really, when we, when we give our finances. And, and it says, it talks about the first fruits of crops. So that's like the best and the earliest. That's what God gets. That's the first day of the week. That's the intentionality coming in right there. We're doing well. And then, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, it says that God loves a cheerful giver. 
So all this talk about intentionality and faith and maybe it's a sacrifice and it's a step and it's a risk. <clears throat> so around comes the basket. Like, <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. I mean, I'll see you again. Just think of the Starbucks. There's a whole takeaway. That's a large-sized Domino's pizza <laughs> with a stuffed crust. Goodbye. I give it to you, Jesus. <laughs> there, it's gone. <sighs> I'm up for the Oscars next year. <laughs> Because of the context of faith, because of the context of love, because of the context of grace, Paul says, God loves a cheerful, glad-to-do-it giver. So around comes the basket, and you're like, yeah! <laughs> Woo-hoo! Can't get the basket here fast enough. Goodbye, dominoes. Hello, glory. Woohoo! Or something like that. <laughs> you are. And remember to fill in your gift aid form very cheerfully. Because <laughs> whether they're cheerful about it or not, the government gives us back the tax you paid on the money you give. That, that's a freebie. There, there this. Well, that's great. Actually, that's a great country to live in. This is not true everywhere that we get to get that money back. That's phenomenal. And we need it. Fill in your gift aid form, please. Talk, talk to Lydia, who's just sitting right here. She, she has them sewn to her person, I think. They're just like they're ready. You don't even have to get past gear, and you've got one. <coughs> Okay, Andy, okay, okay, this is great. But how, how much should I give? To, well, just, just give it all and then worry about it. Uh, no. <laughs> that 1 Corinthians 16, well, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money, money in keeping with his income. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. So it's, in, it's generous in proportion to what you have. So if you earn £100 a week and you give £10 away, that's a big chunk. If you earn £1,000 a week and you give £10 away, that's been a bit of a stingy miser. You know, take miser and make it even worse. Because it's, it's all right, both were intentional, both are purposeful, but is it generous? Well, one is, is because it's about the big picture of how much you have. So Jesus, what, isn't it fascinating in the Gospels? Jesus is watching <coughs> the, the widow, the widow's mite. Do you remember that story? This tells you something about God because he's sitting, he's watching the offering bowl. Him and his disciples are just hanging out, 
there's this sort of bowl in the temple, and he's and he's either standing or sitting, maybe maybe a discreet distance away, but he's just hanging out there, watching people come and put their money in. He's like, there's a rich guy. He throws in a lot of money, makes a lot of noise. He goes, that wasn't very generous. He's got a load, and he just threw some change in. And this lady comes, and she takes out this coin. She throws it in. He goes, that was really cool, guys. That was generosity. She gave everything she had. We learn a lot from this. A, Jesus later does those like seven woes to the scribes and Pharisees. I mean, the leadership of the temple, he completely slates them. But he, he knows that what's going on here, regardless of the leadership, is that people are giving to God first. And we need to remember that because some of us have been in situations where we gave to stuff and it didn't go well. Listen, you gave to God first. And he's, he's watching people give to God, number one. And number two, he's watching this person give a very small amount, but they're giving out of a great heart with everything they have. They're not doing it to be showy, but they're just like, I love God, so I'm just putting in. So that was the biggest gift was the smallest gift because it was heartfelt and it was proportionate to what she had. So don't feel like giving small is insignificant because to God, your small giving could be the most significant anywhere. That was good. So what about, I've got time to do this. We're going to do this in seven minutes. We're going to do the tithing thing. Do we believe in tithing? Yes. I do. I believe in tithing. We could end it in, with that, yes. but that may not convince many of you. <laughs> I believe in it. I recommend it. Let's all do it. It would be, would be my three points, but I want to explain why. Because tithing that is in the law, and we're not, no longer under the law. So through the law, I died to the law that I might live for God. Even in what we've read here, these verses we've referred to, Paul, Paul is careful. He said, I'm not commanding you, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love. And he's not pulling it out like old covenant law verses to instruct them in giving. He's pulling on their heart. He's pulling on love. He's pulling on grace. All right? He's not saying, here's the rule, you should meet it. He's saying... What's coming out of your heart? I'm testing what's in you. Let it look like something amazing that flows out of you in your giving. All right? So that, that, that's, that's good news, isn't it? But that doesn't mean <coughs> that we can do less. That's not like, phew, doesn't believe in, that, that's not tithing. So I'm going to give, I nearly went, I nearly went old currency, two shillings. <laughs> You've got to be really old even to remember what one of those is. Anybody re- ever remember having shillings, just to make me feel better? There you go. There's a few of us still alive. It's good. Two and six. Just, just a bit of nostalgia going on in the room. I remember, I remember the pain of decimalization. Anyway, that wasn't what I was trying to say. Tithing.
However, so Paul's not using the law, tithing is in the law, but tithing, that tithing literally means tenth. So it's giving a tenth of what you have to God. Actually began before the inauguration of the law. So Abraham, who is the father of faith, the father of the faithful, uh, uh, whose seed is Jesus, and we are his offspring, Abraham was exemplary in the realm of tithing. So he won a battle, and he tithed a tenth. He gave a tenth of everything to this guy called Melchizedek, the king of Salem, who he, what Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tells us, this guy is like a picture of Jesus. So Abraham gave a tenth of everything he had to this person who was a prefiguration of Jesus. I just made that word up, but it's okay. <coughs> and then Jesus comes along, and in Matthew 23, he really slates off, I, I, it's one of my favorite chapters, the woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. <laughs> that, that message wouldn't go down well almost anywhere, but Jesus preached it, and he said it at least seven times. And in one of those times, he told them, he says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. So he isn't saying, stop your tithing and love people. He's actually affirming the practice of giving a tenth, but saying that's, that's no, ex you're just giving money away, it does not let you off the hook of, of extending mercy and love. But he actually affirms the practice. Jesus affirms tithing. So that kind of makes me think, ooh, Jesus likes tithing. I'm in. Just saying. And then there's another point which I think is fascinating. Jesus, they kind of test Jesus about whether they should pay taxes to the Roman authorities or not. And they bring a coin to Jesus, and it's got Caesar's head on it. Remember that? And, and, and that's in Matthew 22, verse 18. It says, Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said again, you hypocrites. It's just got a really culture of honor thing going on here. Um, <coughs> I'm going to ask Danny about this when he comes. What do you do with this stuff? <laughs> this is brave communication. Okay. If it has a title, it's cool. Just, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used to pay the tax. And they bought him the denarius and, and, uh, that he asked them for. And whose image, he says, is on it? And he says, well, it's Caesar's, they replied. So his answer is, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Ew. So actually, what impacted me way, way back, because I've heard all kinds of versions of this, and I've been through this, of studying this off and on for years. What lodged inside me is, in good times and bad, hard up or, or, or doing better in abundance, I, there's something in me can't do less than give the tenth. And the reason is this verse. It's deeply set inside me. It already belongs to him. So in Malachi, where it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that, that God could open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing more than you can stand. He's saying, the problem you've got is that you've been robbing God 
because you've not been bringing your tithes and offerings. So he's saying, so the last book of the Old Testament, he's saying your problem is you're robbing God because actually he thinks the tenth is his. It, it isn't mine. So I'm giving to, I'm paying my taxes and I fill them in every year. I'm self-employed and I do all that thing. And I, but I'm giving to God what is God's. And I've never been able to move away from that. Even in the hardest of times, I'm like, this bit really, A, I want to give it, but I just feel this is yours, Lord. This, this is, and all through the Bible, you see this principle. Even in the Garden of Eden, God gives them the whole garden, gives them the whole planet to nurture and look after. He says, don't touch this tree. Now, obviously, there's a lot more going on, but one of the things is a reminder of, well, it's all mine, really. You can have it all except this one. This, this is mine. Don't touch. For all sorts of reasons, but don't touch this. That's where I'm at with this. I want to give to God what's God's. It feels like from this scripture that he, it is already his. So it's just my... I'm stewarding it all anyway, so I'm just making sure that he gets that bit <clears throat> as, as first, first off. That's what I think we should do. And, and tithing, the tenth, sets a standard for what is generosity. What does it look like for us? Yay. <clears throat> I need to land this with a few other points. Is that okay? I'm going to get the kids back. Because what is giving for? What, what, do we, what do we... So you give it. The Bible says, I believe, we to give it into the storehouse. In the Old Testament, the storehouse was a community building. This is the community building. It's the church. The, 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 the tithe is for the storehouse. <clears throat> and it's meant to come in. I haven't got time now to, to go through all of these, but I'll give you the verses. You can look them up. It's su support the ministry of the local church, 1 Corinthians 9, 7 to 14. The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel it's to support ministry and the idea is that where your life and your your uh, spiritual support comes from where your spiritual teaching comes from where your encouragement comes from where your the environment of of faith that is causing you to grow that's where you should give primarily that's the number one target for your giving is to give into the place that is actually feeding you spiritually and we actually follow that principle as a church in that we give a tenth and more of what comes in. And one of the things we do with it is to give to those that are nurturing us. Because that, I believe that's how this works. And, and there's tons of scriptures that, that I could back it up with, including the one I've just given you. It's also there for the care of the needy in the church and outside the church. <coughs> that's self-evident. There's plenty of scriptures to do that. And we do that too. This help that happens internally. We also give, uh, and some of the stuff we're bringing out, out to you explains that we give to things that are supporting and helping the poor, the addicts, etc., etc. And we want to keep doing that and doing that more and more and more. So actually, some of what you give into Hope Church actually gets released to support the poor, and that's how it should be. Um, and it's also for our, I call it kingdom activity or apostolic extension. Philippians 4, 15, and 16 talks about 
how the Philippian church is partnering financially with Paul so that he can go to other places, do signs and wonders, preach the gospel, raise up churches, etc., etc. And actually, a good chunk of what we do here is about that as well. So we're releasing funds to release the kingdom into the region, into the nation, and into the planet. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. So that, that's th broadly three things that happen out of the storehouse, which is the church. Now, individually, we, sh we should, ev every one of us, I believe, we should be also giving to the poor. And that, that would be our pattern. So our... our our bulk of our giving is into the storehouse because that is where ministry is coming from and that's what's releasing mission into the planet. But then also we want to actually ourselves connect to the poor in some way. Uh, and, but that's on top of doing our tithing. Does that make sense? I've run out of time. I would like to have developed that last bit a little bit more. But the point is that we give to God first. And that has its focus in the storehouse, which is the, the, now the family of God, the, the local church. And so I want to encourage you as we look to our offering, as we look to our special offering, that you, you look at this stuff that I've taught today and get in a place of faith so that we can release all the finances we need for the building we need, for the ministry we're doing, etc., etc., etc. It's going to be awesome. The other thing that we've done as a church, as trustees and leadership team, got together and we set this, this crazy big budget for this year and we said, right, what we're going to do is we're going to give as if we'd got that money. So we've just given our biggest offering out of the church. <laughs> so, so, so we took all our, all our Domino's pizzas and, and um, Starbucks money and we just gave it away to the poor and to other ministry that was blessing us and to, to people that were doing radical stuff. And we've listed some of it on the handout we gave. And we're like, yay, now God. Now God, do something crazy and wonderful for us.